0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Co-Creating Wellness, proudly brought to you by Aura Health. I'm Gabe Pereira. Co-Creating Wellness is a platform for change for a new generation of health enthusiasts. Together, we'll explore ways that we can create agency and power around our health and the health of our planet. Hi everyone, welcome back to Co-Creating Wellness, I'm Gabe Pereira. We are here today with Jackie Lewis, who is I'm actually, can I say fangirling? I can't, fanboying a little bit. Um, <laughs> I've <laughs> I've been such a fan of Jackie's work for, it seems like, a decade at least. Jackie, welcome.
1: Oh, thank you, Gabe. <laughs> That's very sweet.
0: <laughs> um, so just for those of you on the, co- on the podcast who don't know Jackie, she is uh, the founder with her partner, Aaron, of The Broad Place, and Jackie is you know, the ultimate Australian multi-hyphenate, which we're going to dig into in in this conversation. I hope if we have time, she's a writer, she's an educator, she's a speaker on clarity and high-grade living and teaches annually across Los Angeles, New York, Hong Kong and around Australia, as well as no longer your hometown of London. So this bio is slightly Um, out of date. And I think now you're just starting to get back into your incredible retreats, Jackie.
1: That's right. Yeah, we're excited, very excited to be hosting one soon in India. And then next year, we'll, we'll do some more globally, which is exciting.
0: Amazing. So, we before we started recording, you were just kind of updating on your life now post floods, post COVID, post floods. How is everything yeah. going for you guys?
1: Oh, look. I mean, we live in Mellum Creek, where underneath a mountain, our property has a, 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 the actual creek on it. So, uh, we were really fortunate that our embankment stopped the water from taking out the house. But um, yeah, it's just been it's been a long, long process for everyone in the community and. There's no end in sight at the moment, I think, for most people. So
0: it's been really challenging. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, again, true confessions. Um, We had none of that stuff going on in Sydney, but obviously we were following along and and trying to kind of keep you guys in mind and send whatever support we could during that process. But, you know, the way I think in particular you and and your community helped each other, supported one another, and and you in particular, I think, you know, I, I was just so inspired with what you did during that period.
1: Yeah, look, it was an incredible, I saw so many people step into leadership roles that they previously probably wouldn't have been that comfortable with, but um, it was sort of push became shove. And it was a really collaborative, I think the pain and the trauma of the experience took a little while to kick in because everyone was just in such action mode and I saw so many people do such remarkable, remarkable things and that work honestly continues. It's just been awe-inspiring.
0: It hasn't stopped, hey. I mean, I think it's it's fallen out of the news and it's probably fallen out of our public consciousness, but it's definitely still ongoing from what I understand from people who are still based up there like yourself.
1: Yeah, it's really ongoing. I mean, there's thousands of people still sleeping in cars and tents and there's no... um, there's supposed to be all these mobile pods that are putting the homeless um, in the, you know, the council and the government is supposed to be providing this temporary housing and that's going at a snail's pace. Um, it was kind of, to be honest, quite frustrating when Splendor of the Grass just happened. Um, yes. The media went absolutely bananas about a bunch of people, you know, getting flooded in their tents, which was relevant, but also that media coverage was so much greater than, you know, 17,000 becoming homeless in Lismore. So yeah. it's, been, it's been pretty tough. It's been a tough... Environment and we've been really fortunate that the last couple of months have been sunnier, so everyone's feeling a little bit like they're going more into recovery mode. But it's still a really long road ahead.
0: And is there any? I mean, sorry to go down this rabbit hole, but is there anything that people listening can still do to
1: help? Um, There's still so many GoFundmes um, around with uh, community-based service. I would the the place that I'm. um, really referring most people to is the Cory mail which is k-o-o-r-i yep. um, because they're an indigenous based publication but they also really spearheaded such a movement in regards to support for the community yep. uh, and the other one is also uh channel void which is uh, a friend void. of mine okay. yeah has like a local ba- a local uh, she's been working in um, funding and charity for decades and they're just they've done they've all done really like grassroots enormous levels of work and continue to do so. So, for full transparency for people like me, I mean, I'm doing what I can, but it's in a much, like, it's it's much smaller scale, whereas some yeah. people like Curry Mail and Channel Void, and, and there's a list, but they are really still okay, like, cool. going at it full throttle.
0: We'll include links to those guys in the show notes, but I think, no, I just, I mean, as I said at the outset, I want to just really thank you for the way that you brought, at least our awareness in this community to what was going on up there so yeah appreciate it <laughs> My pleasure. all right let's do some cool stuff so this is the co-creating wellness podcast as you as you know um, y- yes you are a meditation teacher and i want to dig into that as well because i think that's really of a lot of interest to people i mean in terms of tools to help people <laughs> manage stress manage anxiety manage mental overload i think that there's enormous benefits to meditation as as, as i'm sure you'll help us understand in more detail but one of the areas where our interests definitely overlap is Ayurveda. Um, Mm. And I'd love to learn more about how you personally encountered Ayurveda. It was probably through yoga like many of us. Um, But how you kind of incorporated into your life. And I know for a while you guys were doing Ayurvedic products and all of that kind of stuff. I'd love to learn more about that.
1: Oh, we were just talking about the (laughs) the Ayurvedic products the other day. Um, We were probably a little bit too far, like ahead of the eight ball there and came out of the gates really hard. Um, uh, yeah, before it was sort of became, you know, like I don't think Instagram was around when we started, (laughs) um, the beautiful products, but, um, I essentially started meditating um, in regards to like a more formal practice when I was 18 and I discovered that through yoga and then started studying lots of different Eastern lineages and philosophies Mm -hmm. and exploring meditation uh, ongoing Mm -hmm. from there and a lot of the time, it really depends on the lineage but particularly when I dove into uh, the Veda and Vedantic scripts and texture, the Ayurveda for me was just this, you know I tried microbiotics and a whole series of different uh, philosophies. Um, But for me, Ayurveda would just really work to make total sense. I was like, oh, and yeah, it just was really cohesive and it wasn't so, I mean, I know you can go really complicated and deep into it, but for me, particularly in the beginning, it was just a really great way of checking in to see how I felt and then making moderate adjustments to make myself feel better. So I was doing a lot of things at the time, particularly when I was, really under a lot of pressure with um, multiple businesses going and, you know, doing things like, you know, drinking ice cold water in meetings, which was aggravating my barter and then wondering why I was so anxious and over drinking caffeine and, um, you know, eating salad because I thought it was healthy in the middle of winter. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of the things that, you know, um, we all do because we think quote unquote it's really healthy, but it might not necessarily fit our mind body type in that particular season. So diving into like the seasonal work for me worked really well, because something I'm fascinated in is our emotional seasonality. So I Yeah, think interesting. Have, so talk, like,
0: talk to me about that. So obviously beyond yeah. Prakriti and, and that side of things, talk to me about that emotional seasonality.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like where we get confused sometimes is because our work might be having a summer. So our relationship to our work might be really bright and fierce and hot and intense and incredible and flourishing. Yeah. But our relationship, for example, might be going through a winter and... Um, then we have these, you know, personal autumns and springs. So we might be needing to trim back, to prune our lives and the way in which we're responding. Or we might also have like a spring mindset about something, which is yep. really, you know, new and fresh and abundant, and um, sort of, you know, smacks of promise and intrigue and curiosity. And I started to really work with the fact that instead of trying to have a one-note. Uh, Thing happening just looking yep. at these seasons as they were warping and moving through all the areas and facets of my life, and what that enabled me to do was actually surrender a little bit more to what was happening rather than try to control it. I'm a control freak by nature, um, so that, that like, and when I started learning about Ayurveda, I just really realized that it was such a compliment to those philosophies as well and how do you so did you can your,
0: I ask you, did you come ooh. to this because i know you've just released a book which I've, I've just been trying to get into which is which is the 14 day mind cleanse yeah. um did you come to this emotional mental seasons concept through ayurveda or concurrently with that sort of exploration of ayurveda because i mean ayurveda energetics you know eating with the seasons each day that you know dhinacharya the routine is a, is a season in and of itself um, but I've never heard it expressed in the way around this sort of emotional seasons before.
1: Look, it was actually a study of Taoism
0: that yeah, was, okay.
1: um, put interesting to um, even my really diving deep into Ayurveda. And for me, it made, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense around yep. this attunement to the seasons and seasonality and then also the way in which the mind, you know, a lot of the time I think was sort of addressing the physical and the body, but then also the way the mind is attuned to that. And I just started exploring it also through like the writings of David White and um, I found that a lot of you know reading like Walden and like I was like oh hang on a second (laughs) it's like there's such concurrent themes everyone seems to be speaking to something similar about this idea that We are in flux and there is this change and there's no such thing as this solid ground. And I noticed for myself that what I was trying to do a lot of the time was like, if I could just crack the perfect formula (laughs) of doing like X, Y, Z and A, B, C, then I would feel stable and calm. And I really ended up finding my stability by admitting to myself that I was in constant change and flux and working with that rather because it sort of felt like whack-a-mole you know I kind of get like my physical house down and, the emotions and then
0: happened. the emotions go out yeah yeah
1: and then the emotions <laughs> go out or my relationship would be in a bit of turmoil or yeah. um you know something to do with my ex-husband or you know a family member or and I was just constantly trying, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you control get all into get all the ducks in a line so once I sort of went oh that makes sense that friendship's having a spring and this friendship's having an autumn, and. This one's having a winter. Maybe I need to batten down the hatches and save the reserves because I'm having a little bit of a winter. Um, helped me honestly.
0: What a great concept.
1: Aw, thanks. Oh really? <laughs> it's just, yeah, so I teach about it a lot because I find yep. that it gives us, I mean, the mind needs scaffolding um, in order to hold on to something. And if we can create that architecture for the mind to basically rationalise and make reason of something. Then through that, I found that we can actually relax and release and let go.
0: And is that philosophy, or is that ideology, or it's it's you know your personal kind of realization around what, how you make meaning, or?
1: Um, because I'm such by nature an overthinker, I, yep. I just am obsessed with making meaning. Yeah. Um, the irony being that you know all the traditional teachings. Are, I mean, I love mythology and my husband always jokes he's like wow I can't believe you could somehow overthink that um and I'll, I can I mean I can overthink anything. give me a topic you know, but I, I love going really deep I mean I also get quite obsessive and I like going quite deep into things yeah. um but I just found that in essence when I in order to how do I describe this You know, a lot of my Buddhist and Zen teachers over the years were like you know. Relaxed your mind, release, surrender, yeah. and it was actually making me more uptight. And I was trying so hard to drop something um, that and a concept that I actually realized that if I could just slot softly and gently work with it, then my mind would settle naturally around it because I'd almost given it a toy, like given it something to do and yeah. something to warp and wave around, and then I could actually, yeah, s- surrender. That was that was my path anyway.
0: Interesting. Talk to me about this, the 14 Day Mind Cleanse book. So this is, this is effectively a brand new book that you've just released.
1: Yes. Um,
0: and I want to I circle back to this point. So if you can just park this with me for a second. Um, there are so many people on a spiritual path that I've met in my life, and I've probably been guilty of being one of these people at certain times, um, who have all the theory but none of the practical implementation thereof. And you and certainly you and Aaron and, and the broad place seem to be the antithesis of that in the sense that, you guys absolutely seem to get all of this stuff and understand it at a very deep level, but also, you know, you're you're active in the community. As we said earlier, you know, you, you guys are running businesses, you're you're real people, you're not just kind of sitting away on a mountaintop <laughs> somewhere thinking deep thoughts. And I think I'd love to come back to that after we talk about your brand new book, if that's okay.
1: Oh, God, I mean, yeah, I'm literally like sweating the small stuff. Um, i run a business, I'm a mom, and we have rescue dogs, and, um, you know, we need to pay bad statements and do all the things that all exactly. people do. And and this is the other beautiful thing. And this is, the, for me, the, the distillation of Zen teachings. And it's if it doesn't actually, if it gets too highbrow and, and deeply philosophical, then we've missed the point. Yep. And if it can't actually be distilled into the daily practical application of this stuff, but doesn't
0: really. But, and work. I think that's interesting because in my understanding of the Vedas or in understanding of Sanskrit, Sanskrit philosophy or in understanding of the Buddha's teachings, everything was about, look, guys, if this doesn't work for you, just chuck it away. Mm. Um, it wasn't about, oh, just think more deeply on it, you know, just read it, read it another ten times and you'll get it. It was, you know, apply it in your own life, examine it with a level of kind of clarity, and then if it doesn't work, just chuck it out. Well, also, if you look
1: at, I mean, what we're also trying to do with these ancient philosophies is, Adapt them to modern living, and we don't live in those times, you know. Like the Buddha, in essence, what's interesting is the Buddha in in the time two and a half thousand years ago when the Buddha was teaching, the daily ritual of life was one that was engaged with. So the way you made tea, the way you cooked your food, the way you engaged with family and community, that was part of your spiritual practice. There, was there, no w- there wasn't a
0: 45-minute to an hour-and-a-half commute.
1: <laughs> no. And there was Instagram and Snapchat and WhatsApp yeah. and um, all of these things are snatching at our attention. So when you look at mindfulness, he actually created what we call mindfulness-based practices yeah. as a way for people to disengage with the ferocity of the scriptures and the ritual. And he was like that would were very um, formal. And his teachings were that actually every moment of life is... Spiritual. There's no such thing as now. I'm doing my spiritual time, and now I'm being a regular person. Yeah. And the contemplation practices were much easier to do when you were present, and we didn't have, I mean, two and a half thousand years ago, villages, cars, or internet. Yeah, and, so it, and it was this kind
0: of different. was this rule of social connection as well. So you know, if, if you if you knew 150 people, you were doing pretty well. Whereas, yes. you, you know, I think all of us know several exactly. several several to to thousand to people, us. but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: And now it's all about, you know. And I, I find it really interesting. I i I'm, I love going back to you know in Ayurveda. One of my big questions has always been you know, milk you know, and then you know yep. that dairy is so good for you. But also it was hand milk from that cow uh, from that cow that you had and then heated that day. That there was moved so far from that, you know. So Correct. I think that with a lot of the um, these ancient practices and teachings they do need to be the context
0: of the way. Yeah, I was just going to say, you have to overlay context. And I think, so I'm going to, so true confessions, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Um, so I studied Ayurveda deeply, did a diploma in it, all the rest of it. And, and like you, I think probably with many things sort of you, you, you have this huge infatuation with, with the science of the teachings, you know, for years at a time. I then started doing a lot more evidence-based natural medicine, which we'll dig into, I hope, if we have time. And Ayurveda, at least in the traditional context, has none of that quote-unquote evidence base, right? Mm. So increasingly now there's a lot of clinical research happening on the herbs and so on and so forth. But from a, from a practice's point of view, as I think milk's a great example. Um, everything's done either with ghee or with milk. And, you know, the Rasayans are all produced with, with fresh cow's milk, full cream, etc. cetera. And everything we're learning now about dairy is that, you know what, maybe we want to be a little bit careful with contemporary dairy. I think it's important to make that caveat. But, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's contextual. So, you know, Daisy the cow was the cow you'd known from her birth and you'd, you'd hand-fed her grass over the years and, you know, she lived outside your bedroom window. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I think I think that context totally point is different. very important.
1: Yeah, and, and also it's not to – and I know you believe the same um, – it's not to discount the way in which we gauge with it in the modern world, but what I hope is that we can all start to – not get too hung up on. But it says this, but it says that if that's not what's working for our body and all the work that we do at The place is trying to get people to feel more into their intuition and understand themselves on a deeper level, level, become more intimate with themselves so that they can actually trust themselves and not have to necessarily follow things verbatim and to a T because that's what I think is stripping people of autonomy and it can become really dogmatic. It's not meant to. It just does... Um, and it becomes hierarchical and it you know it, it's so I really think that there's such a beautiful opportunity we've sort of come we're referencing these beautiful ancient practices and techniques we we're living in the modern world and as individuals we need to find a way to braid all of that together for ourselves um I love there was this great of oh, Ram Dass it's one of my you know all-time favorite teachers and I was listening to a talk he did and you know, someone was criticizing him basically for not being a purist you know <laughs> and they were saying yeah you know, you do a bit of Tibetan, you do a bit of what you do a bit of this, you do a bit of everything, you know, like what? And he goes, listen, I'm not here in this lifetime, in this body to get pure. I'm here to get free. Yeah. And I, I had one of those moments where I was like, oh, yeah, he just sort of summarized what could be my... The criticism. whole thing. <laughs> yeah, which also could be... I, I get why it could be criticized. It's a bit of this, bit of that. Whatever's working, let go of the stuff that's not working, it becomes yeah. quite intuitive, and it doesn't follow a doctrine. Um, but also... I'm not here to get pure. I mean, I'm, the antithesis of that. I still have social media. I'm on tech all the time. Blah blah blah. But I yep. want to be free emotionally and physically.
0: Yep. No, I get yeah. it. I get it. It's not. It's it's easier said than done, though, isn't it? And I think that I am trying to get back to your book. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> no,
1: it's
0: me. I love it. I love the sidebar <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think. So so okay so or a co creative modelist, whatever it is, Um, one of the foundational principles that we set out to do is this idea of creating agency. So, and I love the way you refer to it, which is this trusting yourself. So agency, in in my sense of the word, is particularly around health and well-being, Mm -hmm. is people having the ability to be the CEO of their own health and well-being. So, and that can be mental or physical. So what that means is that you don't necessarily have to be, you know, the functional medicine specialist or the meditation teacher, but you have to have enough trust in your own discernment, I guess is the right word, to say, okay, yep, that works for me or no, no, that doesn't make sense for me anymore, um, I'm going to move on or whatever it is. So with, with, with that in mind and your new perspective on this 14-day mind cleanse, what's, what's that all about? So it, it, I'm looking at the word detox in particular because I think you know, cleanse and detox had a, had a bit of bad press. I think, some years ago, um, mm. from, a liver, from a liver point of view at least. But I think there is a real role for that detox from a mental point of view.
1: Yeah, I just saw it happening all the time. Everyone was doing juice cleansers and physical yep. cleansers, but no one was addressing the very thing that's governing the physical health a lot of the time being the mind. Yeah. And particularly because what we do know from the data and the science is that our minds are more fractured and more distracted than ever before. And I wanted to just do something for the very people <laughs> that... I- needed it most and it was like what would would be the book that I would love to read if I was pushed and rushed and at capacity and everyone's like oh my god you shouldn't meditate you're just like oh my god piss off I don't have time to even think about it this was the book that I wanted people to be able to pick up and just do a little bit every day for seven days step and repeat it so that they could then work out which was going to work for them in the long term yeah but essentially we'll give them the clarity because it's you know everyone's it's very hard to know what's working and what might work for you when you don't have the clarity to begin with. Yes. You know, it's trying to like, you know, it's like standing in a really filthy messy house and wondering where do I start? Do I start Correct. with cupboards? Do I start with, the, you know, the pantry? Do I start with doing the floors? Do I do, you know, like scrub down the walls first? It's yep. so this is basically a really simple system that people could engage with and have a taste of meditation, which I also—it's uh, a mantra-based meditation, which I think is the perfect medicine for the modern mind. Yeah. Um, and because it gives something for the mind to anchor with, uh, rather than just sitting there and trying to clear the mind of thoughts, uh, which is also technically impossible. Just um, watch the candle. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So <laughs> concentration techniques can be really challenging with the way in which we are we are living now. Um, and then also, just I wanted to, in a what I hope anyway, is a way for people to become aware of their habits and mindset without feeling ashamed about them. So okay. rather than being spoken down to about like stop doing this you stop doing that, it's more yep. like why don't we explore this? Pause it for a little bit, and then you can make a more educated decision on whether it works for you or not.
0: So what's okay? So that, that and I think that's a, that's the approach that we all kind of need right now because I, I have a sense, and I'm sure you would agree, particularly living where you guys are, all of us are kind of a little bit super sensitive right now in terms of, you know, small things can start to tip the balance in favor of anxiety or, or in favor of, you know, stress at least. Um, you and I would, would, I'm sure you would agree, everyone can benefit from a meditation mindfulness practice. If someone's, I've got two questions on that point. So if someone's never meditated before but would desperately love to, what, what are some of the things you suggest to them?
1: Okay, um, before I answer that, I'm just going to circle back because I really want anyone, to listen, anyone listening to understand that it's my job day in, day out to talk to people from all over the world yeah. and I've never seen people as stressed as they are. Yeah. And I think what's happening, and this is just from talking to so many people, Yeah, go. is that there is, and I think it's really important that we speak about it, is that a lot of people don't have too much in the emotional bank And the panic of COVID has technically subsided, but everyone has a really mild or sometimes extreme version, particularly in Australia with the lockdown laws, um, of PTSD. I agree. And they haven't quite put themselves back together yet and now are expected to be operating at full, if not more, capacity than they did pre-pandemic. And they're very confused about who they are in the world and they're really overwhelmed. And as a result... There's also the shame of, I'm not even in lockdown. I'm not yep. alone. I should. I can travel. I can do these things. I should, in inverted commas. I should be fine. Be feeling sad. I should be feeling yep. much better than I am. Yep. And so there's confusion. And people aren't talking about it because they're like, there's technically nothing wrong. Like, I, I should be fine. And, you know, I'm, for example, just to circle back onto the flux, yeah, go. I ahead. do it all the time. People go... How are you, oh, I mean, I'm, you know, nothing to complain about in comparison, yes. which is really minimising and... Yeah, yeah, well, I heard attitude. you
0: say that at the top at the top of the conversation, which, um, yes. you know, you, you've been through it, we all have, but you particularly have been through a hell of a lot in the last, last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and it comes from a really nice place, right? It's compassion for everyone that's yep. doing it harder. But it's also minimising our experience, which means we can't really deal with the grief and the trauma of the experience because we're so busy going but I actually don't have it as bad as everybody else. Yeah. And this isn't to throw ourselves a pity party and to wallow, but it's to actually really acknowledge that it's been really rough a couple yeah. of years. The uncertainty and the chaos and the turmoil has had massive impacts. And as a result, what we're seeing right now in this moment in time where we still not has any idea what's going on, um, is that people are starting to fall apart. So when it comes to a meditation practice, my recommendation, if anyone's listening is in that state is to start really simply and gently but also push yourself a little bit harder than you think you need to with your practice because two minutes of eye closing your eyes isn't enough. So what I'm seeing now is people go, everything's working, it's all good, and if you close your eyes (laughs) for two minutes, you're now meditated and you can tick that box and you're done. If you take into account what everyone's been through in the last couple of years, I'm not saying we need to meditate for hours a day. It's impossible without lifestyles, but really giving yourself at least a 10, 15, 20 minute sitting practice
0: yeah.
1: up to half an hour. Um, you know, to, and as a result, to allow the body to decompress. To release the stress and the tension, which is creating all the havoc in our internal worlds anyway, and also to allow the mind to become intimate with itself again, and not just doing scrolling, looking at things, talking about things, engaging with things. That is yep. so vital. Yep. So for anyone that's like, I really want to practice, and I'm finding that, you know, look, I teach contemplation, which is guided, um, in Experiences like on retreat or as part of a workshop or a talk. But as a daily practice, I'm not a fan because I don't think we need a technique that fills us up any more than we have. I also have to be tethered to tech to do it. Yeah. So that's why in the I mean in the book, and I don't I don't want to say like buy the book, but also
0: buy the book <laughs> buy <if> you guys. <laughs> but, no, <laughs>
1: but, but no, because there's this really brilliant, simple, distilled meditation technique that's in there, which will once you know how to do it and you've read yeah. the that chapter, you can sit every day and meditate with a mantra, and that is where the wheels start turning. Because I know so many people are like, I've tried meditation, I've tried meditation. It's like, you've tried maybe a technique that hasn't been aligned for your mind-body.
0: Exactly. you know,
1: And, and for the current zeitgeist of the time. It's very, we're, very di- we're in a very different state than we were in 2019.
0: And I think, I'd, I'd double click on the point that you made earlier around, you can actually decouple these tools from religion, spirituality, philosophy, ideology, should you choose to. They're evidence-based, practical things that are, you know, very, very practically beneficial. You don't have to believe in anything to do them.
1: No, that's the best bit. And you don't have to become a vegan and wear different clothes. (laughs) I get asked this all the time. They're like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I'm like, you can meditate in a suit. I I mean, most of the people I teach are working professionals. Yeah. And they're using meditation as a tool. They're not using it as a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, look, my personal life is built up with a lot of ritual and a lot of spiritual practice. But yep.
0: I also but that, that, know... But that's your practice, right? That's your life.
1: That's my... But also, I know enough to know that if I can't drop those, at the drop of a hat, yep. in times, of, you know, where I, in times like where, you, manage, you know, crisis managing floods, and I'm like, oh, no, hang on a minute, I can't do that type of work. And, you know, because I need to, like, sit in my tea heart and do my tea ceremony, then the techniques aren't working. Yep. That's not why we do them. You know, we do yep. them because they create this beautiful grounding and stability and resilience and emotional capacity in us so that at any moment we can do what's required of us with flexibility. And if we become really rigid around them, then we've missed the point. So you, I think that's I, what people see, and I think that's where they get nervous. They're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to go the whole hog. And, you know, totally. and, yeah. and do all those things. And, you know, um, with, like, with Ivy, people are like, I don't really like doing that younger. I'm like, well, I don't do it. Like...
0: Exactly, you don't to have do. to do the whole lot.
1: I know, I'm young. I mean, I'm like, I can't get that oily in my bathroom every morning. Um,
0: <laughs> I can't get it off my hair.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm not putting it in my hair. You know, it's I like you know, So I'm, I'm just saying, like, that's that whole thing where I think because one of the beautiful things about social media is it's opened up our world to all the amazing things that we could engage with, and it's also totally overwhelmed everybody yeah. thinking that they have to do all the things.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, so you guys are now, would you say where you, you are physically located now is, is home? Like, I know you guys have travelled an extraordinary amount over the last, I guess, 10 years, is it? Five or 10 yeah, years?
1: Yeah, I, I would say 12. I mean, look, when I met Aaron, who's um, my now husband, you know, I was, didn't, wasn't in the space to meet anyone. I was freshly divorced. I, yep. You know, just at the divorce at my business bankrupt. Um, I was a single mum of a toddler. Like, I, I was just, you know. A couple of things going on a lot of things going on and when we and i'd also really shift like that was rock. i was in a really rock bottom place and then when i met aaron he was recovering from bone cancer and we both made a commitment to each other to just say yes to everything because we really everything that we knew had been pulled out from underneath us so that was i mean i hadn't traveled i barely traveled because oh is that right i thought you guys
0: were like inveterate travelers from the from at least observing you guys on instagram
1: no, I mean, Aaron was. He was really, really well travelled, um, but it was all work oriented. He wasn't travelling for pleasure. Yeah. He was always travelling for work. And so we just decided to start moving the needle on, on our lives and doing things in a really, really different way. And we've just kept doing that. 12 years on, we're still doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, it, it just observing you guys again, this is just purely through the Instagram lens, right? You just seem to be able to create, and, and I am a massive fan, by the way, of your book, high Grade Living. Sorry, I'm doing all Aww, these shameless you. plugs for you guys. It's, ah, it's I a, love we, it. we, um, <laughs> we have, we have this sort of showcase bookshelf in our place at home and yours is one of, I'm not joking, probably seven or eight books on that bookshelf. Like, I mean, we've got shelves for books elsewhere, but like, I keep coming back to it. I keep pulling it out. I keep looking at it just, particularly um, I'm very design led and I think you guys are definitely very design led. Um, it just re-inspires me in many ways just to look at it and kind of get a get a different perspective on things. I guess has that, it sounds like that's been a process you guys have gone through together as a couple over the last 10 or 12 years.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I used to do graphics and photography and styling uh, prior to and do furniture design and exhibition curation. Amazing. And Aaron was a, um, studied fine art and creative direction and then was in fashion. So... Um, and he was a designer so when It's we, part of who you guys are Yeah, it's just so innate, like we've both yep. been super creative since we were little and you know, it was really interesting because Aaron was the first he and I aesthetically have such similar, tangible kinetic experiences with the visual and I also realised that I had this weird little hang up going on before I met him where I was like, oh you know, beautiful things or Oh, are they spiritual? You know, like, are they, oh, really? Okay, like, okay. Well, yeah, I was like, I was in inverted comments, like, being a bit of a twit, but I was trying to, like, you know, live the spiritual, live a spiritual yeah. life and blah, blah, blah. But I was also quite rigid around it. And then, you know, like, you go to Japanese Zen temples and you look at the way, you know, incredible monasteries look and you go to those amazing uh, temples and ashrams in India and they're the most visually. Stunning, stimulating, vibrant places ever. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. So I do, I just really dove into it head first, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's something that we absolutely both love on every level. We're constantly riffing on design and aesthetics and the way things feel and touch and function. Um, yeah, it's been. It's it's fascinating. He's he's a look, He's a fascinating guy. So he's my he's my creative inspiration on every level, and he's yeah, involved basically. in the most interesting way. So that's been fascinating. Seeing how he engages with the broad place and the teachings through the lens of, like, the way he's just got a really fascinating
0: worldview. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, can, I get it. I mean, I, I don't know you guys well personally, but I can just, I can see that that complementarity between the two of you is just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, yeah. That said, I mean, he barely, you know, he barely posts. So he's not like a social media person. And, no. Um, he also. It's
0: probably how he maintains his creativity, to be honest. No,
1: truly. And he's not. <laughs> You know, and he doesn't like um, what's the word? Uh, Like I document a lot, yeah. And he's he will just like we'll spend three weeks in India, and I'll have four thousand photos, and he'll have one or two stunning videos that each span three minutes of like lilies on a little river as a tiny boat went by and i'll be like i didn't, I didn't even see that he's like you were there i just didn't even see it yeah totally a photo of my tea or something um so you know he's much more slow and considered in regards to aesthetics and i'm like a black item with everything in life
0: like all in a bullet game. love it i think that, that i mean it's obviously that that interplay between the two of your styles which is which is so so beautiful yeah. um I know you've got a bit of a hard stop in about 15 minutes. I don't want to let you go without digging into your wellness practices and, and obviously meditation is one of those. Um, talk me through, I guess, or talk the listeners through rather, a day in your life, your universe, you know, what, and this could be, and this is the most inclusive sense of the word wellness, right? So this could be the books you read, the conversations you have with friends, you know, the, hopefully the supplements you take, the, the yoga practice, whatever it is. What is, what is a great day? Look like for you these days, because I know it changes.
1: It changes. So I want to preface it with: I'll describe what a day that happens frequently that I wish happened more, yeah. and then I'll describe <laughs> also another reality, right? Because yep. I am not steady uh, in regard in regards to uh, anything, um, but particularly, you know, I'm yeah everything. So I'll, so but what I'll do on a day that is what I would say inflow and cohesive is I'm awake and I walk. We live on an acre with this gorgeous yep. creek, and I am so fortunate that I have a little tea hut that sits down overlooking the creek. And so I'll walk down here, and I've only recently got it just the way I want it, the do a Zen tea ceremony. I'll usually burn frankincense or a gorgeous Japanese incense. Amazing. I'll engage in a really still, uh, slow, considered uh, Zen tea ceremony and then I'll meditate, I'll read, I'll journal, I might pull a tarot card, and then I'll pull it back up to the house, and then we have a coffee machine at home now, because we live in the Illinois. Yeah. And so I will um, have a coffee out on the deck with my husband. Um, again, in winter it's great, because the sunrise is you know, about 6.37, so uh, where we live near the mountain, it's just the perfect time. Um, we usually go to yoga, uh, we go to Creature, which is our yep. friends run here in Byron. We usually go there, you know, if we can, four to five times a week. Um, I've got an incredible friendship circle up here in particular, and most of them are really creative and dynamic. So, I'm trying. To, I try to see my friends as much as possible. I'll yep. do some writing, uh I'll, I do a lot of teaching and mentoring. And so, depending on where someone is in the world, depends on my time schedule. So sometimes I'm working quite late. Sometimes I have to throw away that entire program and start work at five o'clock in the morning because someone yep. will be for example, you know, in the UK or, um, and then, but the, the pillars really are a twice daily meditation practice eating incredibly well. And I don't eat inverted commas healthy, but I eat like by what you'd see on, you know, like the, what I call sort of, you know, the new social media wellness. Um, I eat really great whole foods and bread and donuts and yummy food and, um, you know, all the things that I'm sure someone will be like, that's not traditional. Um, but I love eating. Yeah. <laughs> I love and definitely. you
0: enjoy it, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, my dad was a 3 hat chef. Like, I've grown up around food. Is right. Like. Um, it's your thing, yeah. It's my, yeah, it's our thing. And my husband loves to eat. So we, that's a really bonding thing um, for us. But reading is also a really big part um, of my day. I try, I try to, as much as I can, I put limits on every one of my apps and trying to, you know, tool down on technology as much as I can um, because I really think it's shaping the consciousness and it's bifurcating the mind in horrible ways. And I think this is a time that we'll look back on in a couple of years and go, whoa, we let that get way out of hand. I
0: reckon it's going to be looking back on cigarettes in the 70s and 80s.
1: I do too. I just, I see, I mean, I've got a 16-year-old and I see what it's doing to the kids. It's horrible. Yeah. So I'm trying to counterbalance that. I, I spend a lot of time on the land. Uh, we grow a lot. We've got fruit trees and we grow a lot of our own... Um, we're growing, I should say, a lot of our own veggies and so forth. Uh, on a good day, I'll... I, I've started... I. Te- my friend got me onto this. Um, it's called Revive Active. And it's this okay. amazing supplement that I take in the mornings. I take GABA, L-theanine, L-glutamine. Um, if I can remember to, I'll take a liquid extract of Ray Yep. Um, amazing. I take the Aura Adaptogen Tonic because of the yep. Ashwagandha. And the B because it makes you feel good. Um, and then in the evening I do the aura profound sleep. But i do it nice. every day because I'm just a whole cluster of following is honestly <laughs> one of the only things I do. <laughs> I, like I am like and I'm also the queen of like acquiring these things and not taking them. Yeah. So
0: you and everyone else, don't worry.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? Like i like if I nervous or anxious I'm like banging straight down to like our local little health food store what have you got yeah no I'm like poodling around spending a fortune you know um just to and I feel I feel so much better having just bought it without even having taken it yet so um I yeah that's sort of the the pillow for me is also I need a level of time with myself that as I, maybe quick as I get older or the intensity of the work I do, but I didn't used to give myself a lot of time alone and, you know, I'm bachelor 42, so I'm still really young, but I need silence and quiet and time solo. And it's also could be the fact that I just didn't have that for such a long time. I didn't ever carve that out, that I'm having a backlash towards that, but that would probably be also another pillar. And as you can tell, like I talk fast, I talk a lot, um, you know, I, like, I, I need to give this little brain and system a breather yes. so, you know, <laughs> um, to, to reboot and to, to create some space, otherwise I just spiral into you know, anarchy inside. Um, but that would be, so, you know, on a good day, I'm carving out the time, I'm present. I feel wonderful and and inspired. on a bad day, I'm sweating small stuff and bursting into tears because it's not the same, you know. Um, so what? Do you, <laughs> okay, so
0: let's let, let's let's double click on that. So on a so let, okay, I'm going to present like my horror day. Um, you know, a 5 a.m. start where you're driving to the airport to catch a flight. Um, cool. You didn't get your meditation in. You didn't get breakfast. You had a shitty coffee at the airport. What do you do to get that day back on track?
1: Okay, so the first thing I'm doing is meditating on the plane and eating two boiled eggs to make a boil lounge. Yeah, got. Um, I've always got that going on. Or I'm taking boiled eggs. I travel. I'm always eating boiled egg. Um, yep. Just to try to get some protein in. For me, yep. that's a really big one. And also, I can sort of keep them unrefrigerated for a bit. But I used to do those red-eye flights, like, oh, every week. Um, always meditating on the plane. Yep. And tr- I am carrying a book with me, usually, that's going to remind me something cosmic that reminds me of the truth of things. This yeah, cool. read a lot of fiction often. Um, I go deep into, you know, like I, I want something that's beautiful and inspiring, even less self-development-y, but probably more spiritual. Yeah. Um, and then also the other thing, I really am working, I'm also asthmatic, but I'm also, when I'm in those kind of frantic states, trying to work on my breath yeah. and trying to slow my out-breath um, because, and we could just... You know, as soon as you have that breath, you're like, oh, that's right, there I am. Yeah. <laughs> and that's also something that I'm trying to like tether myself to. But you know, on a bad day, far out, like, you know, like every piece of tech seems to, you know, die and <laughs> I've got to put fuel in my car. Like yep. the, yesterday was a shocker. Like my new iMac wasn't transferring anything. I my my headlights broke in my car. Oh no. I just, like, driving my daughter to go see, you know, a basketball game. Um then my airpods weren't working, so I couldn't I wasn't supposed to drive, you know, with my phone in my hand. And you know, and I'm trying to ring Aaron and be like, what do I do? You know, like, <laughs> and I got this, I'm on like a freeway with no headlights and he's like turn the phone lights on. And, but you know like and those days <laughs> those days, you know, when you get to the end of the day you're like give me strength yep. um you know i'm yep. meditating not because i'm it's going to make a meditation and all these kind of lovely things aren't going to make us immune to that but it helps us keep a sense of humor totally <laughs> yeah and and not take them too. it helps you know the thing i always say to people you know they're like i don't have time to meditate i don't have time to you know do these things and i'm like well, well do you have time to redo everything yeah because if you don't have the time to do it well the first time you're not going to have time to redo it Yep. So if you can just do it all with a bit more presence and a bit more humour, your recovery time so much faster. Yep. And that's, for me, the big difference. I like that. Yeah. I like
0: that. We're coming up on, on the end of your time, so I, I really want to respect oh, your so hard stop. Thank you. Um, and, but can't thank you enough. This has been a fantastic conversation and, and better than I even hoped it was going to be, which is awesome. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Oh, it's fine. Do you want to know what I'm doing next? Which is you Tell me. Okay, so... <laughs> It's the big laugh now, family, because my husband is just like, oh my god, what now? So I'm learning, I have my my Duduk lesson. So Duduk is an Armenian flute hand carved from apricot wood. And I heard, if you Google, TV so cool. UK, <laughs> yeah, so I, I do that, I, like, I get into karate and tai chi and and all these things. And so I'm at this event that my friends are holding, and they're playing this beautiful, you know, this. most people know the Jadok because that beautiful haunting song in Gladiator, where it's like, you know, this ah. kind of flat flute.
0: Yeah, anyway, yeah. So
1: I am at this event, and I hear this, and it does something to my brain waves And I was like, oh my God. I mean, my girlfriend laughs. She's like, you know, probably could have picked one up at Mullen Bibi. It's like the spiritual recording. But I hear it and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to learn how to play this instrument. And I've never played an instrument before in my life. And so I find... So who
0: teaches Duduk in Byron Bay? (laughs) This
1: lovely guy, because Michael.
0: No. Yeah,
1: so so he's in Lisbon. (laughs) So he comes to teach me in Mullen, and this poor guy, right? So he is like, so how many musical instruments do you play? And I was like, oh, none. And he's like, okay, that's okay, if you haven't done any wind instruments. I'm like... No, no, no. Sorry. No, I don't mean no wind instruments. He no, goes no, 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 and he looks at me and he's like, "Right. So, can you read music?" And I was like, "No." And he just looks at me like, "Oh my god." So I have because it's a read flute, basically. Um, it is unbelievably hard to play. So I'm in what like my husband cries. With laughter at me trying to learn how to play at the age of forty
0: she thinks have got a wood flute. So when I was like, when I'm like, this is the insanity, right? I'm like, oh, I've got a hard finish
1: because I have to go and play, okay, an play my flute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all about priorities. You, so. you can edit that bit out. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's fine. To. <laughs> <laughs> Please um, go to duuk dot com dot au. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I will
1: not not be playing anywhere publicly in the, the future.
0: So oh, is there is there like a Christmas duet ju- ju- concert planned, or what's going on here? Like.
1: Oh no! There? I mean, I literally can't even get the notes in tune yet. Oh like, really? Like, I, am, I am going and going at this thing, and I'm horrific <laughs> at it. I love it. Oh, I love no, it. I'm in for it. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a discipline. You know, I'm I'm thinking of it like a discipline, and it's, it's, good good for for
0: the the it's good
1: for it's the, good brain. the brain. It's good for
0: the brain. It's good for the brain.
1: It's good for the brain. It's good lungs. Yep.
0: You know? Yep. Yo. Yo. You're an absolute legend. Thank you again for your time. Okay, thank you so much. It was so Absolutely. good to chat. Likewise, see you later. Really, bye. Thank you everyone for joining us today. We know your time is valuable and we appreciate the gift of your attention. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review. This helps other people like you find us. You can learn more about Aura Health by going to aurahealth.com.au. Find Aura on your favourite social media platforms. I'm Gabe Pereira and this is is co-creating wellness.